Welcome to the Hutto Community Church Podcast. HCC is located in Hutto, Texas, and is led by Pastor Russell Daniel. For more information, please check out our website at huddocommunitychurch.org. All right, so today we're going to talk about Golgotha. So Russell's been taking us on a journey from Gethsemane to when Jesus rose um, from the tomb and to the empty tomb. And so we're gonna we're gonna stop today. Last week we were in um, we we were at Pilate's place, which we call the place of injustice. And so now today we find ourselves in Golgotha. And Golgotha is a place of atonement, and, and it's actually the Hebrew term. It's actually the Hebrew, Hebrew term for the more familiar Calvary. And to me, if you've been in church for a while, the term Calvary, to me, um, it just reminds me of Jesus' faithfulness, and it, it sounds like just this beautiful term. It reminds me of the cross, but both of those words actually refer to a skull or a place of the skull. And, and Golgotha was just a dark place. It's a place where the criminals were, were taken to be executed by crucifixion. And so we're, we're going to talk about that today. Um, if you want to open your Bibles, Matthew 27 is where we'll be, 27, 32 through 54. And it'll be up here for you to follow along as well. But we're going to read about this, this Golgotha place and what happened there. Um, a lot happened there. And um, I'm just going to ask that you would open your hearts to what the Lord would have, have to say to you in this place, as we remember. So starting in verse 32, it says, as they were going out, they found a Cyrenian named, a man named Simon. They forced him to carry his cross. When they came to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull, they gave him wine mixed with gall to drink, which was sort of supposed to be a painkiller. But when he tasted it, he refused to drink it. After crucifying him, they, they divided his clothes by casting lots. Then they sat down and were guarding him there. Above his head, they put up the charge against him in writing, this is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two criminals were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. Those who passed by were yelling insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three, di- three days, save yourself. If you're the son of God, come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests with the scribes and the elders mocked him and said, he saved others, but he cannot save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let him res- let God rescue him now. If he takes pleasure in him, for he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, even the criminals who were crucified with him taunted him. Then pay attention to the shift here. So up until now, this is outlining what has been happening to Jesus and what the people have been doing, those who are persecuting him. So pay attention in the shift here. Now it says, from this is verse 45, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the whole land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a stick and offered him a drink. But the rest said, let's see if Elijah comes to save him. But Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. Suddenly, the curtain of the sanctuary was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth quaked, the rocks were split. The tombs were also opened and many bodies of the saints 
who had fallen asleep were raised, and they came out of the tombs after his resurrection, entered the holy city, and appeared to many. When the centurion and those with him who were keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that happened, they were terrified and said, truly, this man was the Son of God. So that's the word that we have today. So what what happened at Golgotha? What actually happened there? I'm going to outline I'm going to outline three main things that happened there. And the first thing that happened there was suffering, great suffering. So there was physical suffering. And if you were here before, Russell talked about the awful, merciless beating that Jesus took. And, and one thing that he didn't mention, um, you know, just whipped and flogged and beaten mercilessly. One thing that he didn't mention was with, with this beating, there came great blood loss. Um, and, you know, a, a, last week or two weeks ago, my family and I, or my kids and I were dog sitting for some neighbors. And when we went over to the neighbor's house, they have multiple dogs and two of the dogs got into a fight. Apparently the little one was quite vicious, more vicious than it, its cute little appearance seemed. And so they got into this fight, and these dogs were fighting. And at the end of it, the fluffy one was just soaked in blood. And it's, it was scary and disheartening to see. And I think that, you know, it's one thing to read and think about the pain and the suffering, but we, we sing songs about, um, you know, the blood that was shed for us. But do we really think about that and how awful that beating was and the blood that Jesus shed from his flesh for us. And then the text goes on to talk about the crucifixion and how he was put on the cross. And that involved nails going through the bones of his wrists and his feet. And those nails and his bones sitting on those nails are what supported him or anyone who was crucified on that cross. And what a painful thing that that was, like physical physically painful. And, And if you read about this and research this, Crucifixion was a capital punishment that was designed to produce a slow death with maximum pain, so much so that Roman citizens were usually protected from it and and rarely ever suffered it. It was an awful thing. It was an awful death, and, and the eventual death of the person who was crucified, of Jesus, of our Savior, of our Messiah, of God's Son, was from suffocation because they could no longer bring themselves up to take a breath. So this is a tortured, awful awful death, an awful process that Jesus suffered physically. But it wasn't just physical, it was emotional too. If you go back to what we just read, you know, Jesus was a man and and he was God, but he was flesh and he had feelings. And you think about when you're bullied and taunted, you know, what that feels like. He was mocked. His accusers played games. They sat there and played games as he suffered and died. And, and then further, in an attempt to infer guilt by association, they put two criminals on either side of him. Now, you've got Jesus, who's completely innocent, has never done a wrong thing in his life. All his whole entire life, he lived for you and for me and for those around him. And now those around him put him up on a cross with two criminals who were guilty. And just how shameful and how hurtful that would be. And in our society, we use the term hate crime. And that came to mind to me. The definition in Texas, I looked it up, is is a hate crime, is crimes that are motivated by prejudice, hatred, or advocacy of violence. 
And um, I, I listened to a woman speak one time, and she was an African-American woman, and she was literally run down in a parking garage by a man who was racist, who did not know her, knew nothing of her. He just ran her down intentionally because of the color of her skin. That's a hate crime. But this, the hanging of our Savior was a hate crime like no other. It was awful, the physical and the emotional suffering. And something like this, no doubt, brought out emotional pain for Jesus. But not only that, there was spiritual suffering. And I don't think we, I don't think we need to miss that. When Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? It was during that time that the darkness, the darkness that fell, the darkness represented Jesus being made sin for us. We say that um, that sin separates us from God, right? Sin separates us from God. And we feel that distance. And Christ felt that. He felt the judgment that he was now enduring. There was spiritual suffering for him. Galatians 3.13 says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. And, you know, when we say that sin distances us from God, Jesus truly felt that spiritual sting. And so there was suffering, physical, uh, emotional, spiritual, but it also was a place of sacrifice. So in that suffering, everything that we've, you know, that we've discussed, that we've read, all represents Jesus' sacrifice for us. And I think we can all relate to sacrifice at least a little bit. So as a woman, you know, if you willingly conceive a child, we are sacrificing our physical body for nine and three quarters months. I don't, we say nine months, but it's nine and three quarters if you carry the baby the full time. A couple of, of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, the Hutto High School baseball team sacrificed their time and came and helped our neighborhood clean up all the branches after the ice storm. And, and you know, beyond that, Jesus sacrificed his entire life for us. Like, we can understand sacrifice to a point, but this was a sacrifice like no other. And the best the best thing that I could think of to, to compare this to was I've been to Washington, D.C. a couple of times. And I'm sure if you haven't been there, if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't been there, you've been to a museum or a memorial somewhere. But I've been to D.C. a few times, and most recently this last summer, and the war memorials are always emotional places for me. And there are places, there are places that represent and, and remind us of the sacrifice. And, and I wasn't there during any of those wars, and maybe some of you were, and I thank you for your service, but I wasn't even alive for most of those wars, but I was represented as a citizen of the United States, as a, as a person living in this world, I was represented, and so were you. And those memorials remind us of that. And all that has been described so far in, in that story that we've read today was what Jesus endured as he sacrificed himself for you and I. There was great sacrifice that day. And then there was the supernatural. And this is the part that I really love to talk about and love to get into. When Jesus died on the cross, there were some simultaneous, miraculous, and supernatural occurrences. And I don't want to miss those. So first of all, that darkness that came. I pointed it out as we read. But how, if you were there... And especially if you're one of those people that was persecuting Jesus and everything just fell dark, how ominous and terrifying would that have been? I mean, that must have gotten their attention, and, and we're going to talk about that a little more in a minute. And then the veil was torn. That was a heavy, thick 
magnificent veil curtain. It's not like a curtain on, on our walls. And it was torn from the top to bottom. And that was the veil that separated the most holy place from the holy place. And only the high priest can go in there. So that represents that when Jesus died, we now have access to the Father all the time. That veil was torn. So that veil was physically torn. And then the earthquakes happened. Um, the resurrection of the saints, rocks were split. And the, the main point that I just want us to see is that we serve a powerful God. And he's still working today. We worship him this morning. He is the God of the su supernatural. Nothing's impossible from him. And he's still at work in your life today. There's nothing he can't do. And so that's kind of what happened there. And so what, what can we take away from Golgotha? All of that that's happened, what can we take away from Golgotha? And as I thought about talking to you guys, I just thought about what happened then and what's happening now. And so I wanted to walk through a few things. So then, at the time, as the, as the text describes, they cast lots for his clothes. And that fulfills prophecy. There's Old Testament prophecy that said that would happen. But it also, I think, demonstrates the sinful nature of humanity and just, just how we tend to be. And I think it's such an interesting detail to, to explore. So they cast lots for his clothes then. But now, today, are you and I playing games, having a good time while Jesus is advocating on our behalf in heaven? Because he does that. I don't know if you know that. But he's, he's our advocate. Are we taking for granted the sacrifice that's right before us? I can think back to younger days, to foolish choices that I've made. I mean, maybe even yesterday. And just wonder if Jesus sits by and if it tortures him, how I just dismiss his sacrifice, how I'm oblivious to what he did then and what he's doing now for me. And I wonder if he tries to say to us, this is not why I did this. Stop it. I know that that convicts me, and I hope that it convicts you. But then they cast lots for his clothes, and I think now sometimes we miss the sacrifice too. Then even the other criminals mocked Jesus, right? The ones that were really guilty, that really committed the crimes, mocked him. But if we look in Luke, in Luke 23, if you want to look it up, it tells us that actually one mocked them and the other defended Jesus. He recognized, he acknowledged Jesus. And Jesus said that that criminal would be with him in heaven, in paradise. And now, today, people still mock Jesus. It happens all the time. People still mock Jesus. And we have the, the option to come to his defense or join in. And I, I, I think the choice is obvious here. But I think it's something to pay attention to. Then, at Golgotha, from noon until 3 p.m., darkness came over the land. And like I said earlier, I think that had to have gotten their attention. And I just wonder how many, when that happened, that darkness fail, fell, I try to imagine it, wonder how many had been just caught up. You know, there were those that were actively persecuting Jesus, and I'm sure it got their attention. But there were some that were just caught up in the hoopla and, and the rumors and, and just caught up in everything. And then that happened, and I wonder if they thought, uh-oh. I, I'm sure it got their attention. And then there were some, I, I wonder, that, that maybe didn't have an opinion one way or the other. I don't know this Jesus guy. I don't know if he's guilt, 
guilty, but I'm just going to kind of watch and not say anything and, and, you know, stand by and just tolerate it. And sometimes we're tolerant like that too. And I wonder if it got their attention. And then I wonder about the ones who held tight to their belief that Jesus needed to go and that he wasn't the Messiah and he wasn't who he said he was. And they held tight to their belief all the way to hell. And I'm so glad that that doesn't have to be you and doesn't have to be me. And I think that God just set up this contrast and it's spectacular and it's attention grabbing and it's scary if you realize that you have been mocking the true Messiah. And I think now there's really not much more that gets our attention than darkness. When the electricity suddenly goes out, I mean, you know, gets your attention. When life suddenly gets dark, it gets our attention, and darkness should get our attention and it should turn us to Jesus. There's no better way to see light than in the dark. And then, at the time, Jesus died, and the temple curtain was torn from top to bottom. And the earth quaked, and the rocks split, and tombs were opened, and all that happened. And what did the centurion say? Truly, this man was the Son of God, because he had their attention now. And now we have the privilege of knowing that we don't serve a God that we have to live up to. We serve a God who came down for us, to be with us. He came down from heaven. He turned religion upside down. And he left us with the Holy Spirit to live within us, within you, within me. And the question is, are we paying attention? Sometimes I'm not. And then the last one that happened then that I wanted to mention was the women. At the very end, the women. It says that Mary Magdalene, ever devoted to the one who saved her, was watching. And if you don't know her story, she was a woman possessed by demons, and Jesus freed her. And she spent the rest of her life devoted to him. And now, today, we remember in this season, hopefully always, what Jesus has done for us. And we just thank him, hopefully. I thank him that we don't have to carry our shame and guilt. I don't have to carry my shame and guilt. You don't have to carry your shame and guilt because he bore it all on that cross. So that's what happened. And that's what happened then. And that's what's going on with us now and what I want us to think about now. If you want a three-point sermon, I've got three points for you here. Golgotha. Golgotha was a place of number one, of suffering, sacrifice, and where God works supernaturally. Golgotha was a place of suffering, sacrifice, and where God works supernaturally. That's the first thing. Number two is that God was in control. Golgotha was a place where he was always in control. It didn't look like it amidst all the stuff that was going on, all the torture, all the killing of his own son, but he was always in control. And number three is that Golgotha was a place where God brought to completion the work that was needed to be done to reunite himself with humanity. It's what he always wanted. And here's what I really wanted to say. Here's the message that I felt like God put on my heart for us today. So when I read this, anytime I speak, I always want to leave you with you know, uh, some good practical takeaways. And I always want to leave people feeling uplifted, feeling more connected to God, feeling 
um, better about being the person that he created you to be. I always want to leave you with a positive feeling. And so when I got to this end of the, the end of this message, I wanted to point out that this is not where it ends, that Jesus is going to rise from the dead in three days. And, and he won it all. He conquered everything. But I felt God telling me, stop. Don't rush to the resurrection. Sit in the suffering for a minute. Feel the discomfort of it. Observe the sacrifice that Jesus made for you and for me. I looked up the definition of sacrifice. The definition is the destruction or surrender of something for the sake of something else. I think we need to see what Jesus did because you and I are something else to God. He sacrificed his son for us on that cross. And God did all those things that we talked about, all the supernatural. He sent his son to die for us. Everything that he did that we read today, he did it while witnessing his people mock, betray, and destroy his very flesh. And that should move us. We saw how the centurion and his cronies believed, and we should too. And so I just want to take a moment, and if you know God, if you have a relationship with him, if you know Jesus as your Savior, just take a minute, and I'm going to take a minute, to see the sacrifice, to see what he did for us. It was beyond any sacrifice that humanity can make, ever did or ever could. And just be reminded of his love for you. But if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I am telling you, he wants you to. Ask him, he will tell you. He loves you. And now is the time. Today is the day. There's just no reason to wait. It's all laid out for you what he did for you. So if you don't know him, now is the time. And so I'm just going to open up this time in prayer. And we're going to spend a few minutes just remembering what Jesus did for us. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, or visit our website at huddocommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.